You are listening to a message from Parkway Pentecostal Church in Corona. Today's message is brought to you by our lead pastor, Jay Black. And something not to change. Because prayer is what God has given us to not only connect with Him, but to release His will on earth. Prayer isn't getting God to do things. Prayer is releasing God to do what He's already determined in His will to do. And if we don't pray, then His kingdom will not become, His kingdom will not be done. It will at least be suspended and put on hold. Do we realize that? That, that is the authority that God has given the church. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go. And so we're going to uh, have prayer this morning, and we're going to do it because uh, we're going to call people for I think in 13 years here, I've never spoken on this on a Sunday, but I just really feel the Spirit prompting for us to speak about marriage and relationships, even outside of marriage, relationships within the church, relationships with people in our lives. And I was originally going to entitle this, I Thought Marriage Would Fix Everything, but I didn't because most of us who are married know that that's not true. So it would be redundant. So if we can put the first slide up, what we're going to do is we're going to address relationships uh, relationships and marriage are important because God has left us on this earth to be in relationship with one another. And how we respond to the relationships that He has brought into our lives, whether it be marriage or people within the church, people we work with, people we go to school with, uh, how we respond to that determines in a large part how we are really walking as Jesus walked. And so this is important. We were created to live in accountable, life-giving relationships. One of the things that the message that, uh, you know, one of the modern messages that's not a biblical message is that when I become born again, when I give my heart and life over to Jesus Christ, that it's just between him and I. That's not true. You don't find that anywhere in Scripture. Scripture tells me that when I'm baptized, I'm baptized into his body. And who's his body? The church, the church of Jesus. And so we're going to address all of those things this morning. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ, I just want you to know something that he really does love you. The reason that we take time to sing uh, the way we do is because, as I already said, we're responding to his love. You know, my testimony is simply this. I was a sinner who was far away from God, and I came to realize that when I started to read the Bible and God started to draw me to himself, that, you know what, that there was nothing that I could do about that status. But God did everything through Jesus. Jesus hung on the cross. He died in my place, the Bible says, so that I could have fellowship and friendship with God and know eternal life. And if you'd like to know more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, we have this book for you called the New Believer's Handbook. You can pick one up from one of the ushers following the service. They would love to give that to you free of charge, no strings attached. Secondly, we have this morning available to you. I have about 30-odd left praying scripture over our marriages and families. It's a seven-day challenge. Uh, you heard me already say it's impossible to pray and something not happen. So if you have a good marriage, it can get better. If you have a better marriage, it can be greater. If you have a greater marriage, I, I don't know if it gets any better, but it still can get better. 
But uh, so it's impossible to pray and something not happen. So take the seven-day challenge, pray for seven days, uh, and I know God will change you and change your circumstances. And so we are going to introduce this topic next week, build on it. And then in the month of May, we're going to have marriage building groups on Wednesday evenings from 6.30 to 8 while Bible study and prayer is going on. We're going to meet here in the sanctuary and we're going to have a discussion uh, based on marriage building. All right. Are you ready to hear the word of the Lord this morning? All right. Five of you are. The rest of you, are you going to listen in anyways? All right. Genesis 1:26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image. And I highlighted that because, and we're not going to get in all breaking it down and make myself look smart, but the word that is used for God uh, is, uh, it's, it's singular and it's plural. And, and you see it there because it says, let us make man in our image. And we know that one of the basic doctrinal beliefs of, of the church is that God is one God, eternally dwelling in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so it's very important because there's other places in the creation story where God is referred to and refers to himself in the singular because he is one God. And yet, when God first declares in the first 26 verses of the scripture that he is going to create humankind, he uses that plural word. And why is that important? Because God said, let us make mankind in our image. Because God was eternally dwelling in three persons in perfect unity and in perfect love from eternity to eternity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have lived in just a wonderful love relationship with one another. And so when God made mankind... He created us to be in relationship with one another. Part of our desire to be in relationship with other people is because we're made in the image of God. Does this make sense this morning? And so Genesis 1.27 goes on. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Then it transitions. Male and female, he created them. Then he blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply in number Fill the earth and subdue it. Genesis chapter 2 gives us a little more detail and background of the creation of Adam and Eve. Verse 15 tells us, Then the Lord God took the man and placed him in the Garden of Eden. God initially just created the man. The word Adam literally means man, so you can use them interchangeably. God created Adam and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make for him him a helper suitable for him and the bible talks about how in all of creation all of the animals they came before adam but for adam no suitable helper was found so the lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep and while he was sleeping he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh then the lord god made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man and the man said pitter patter let me at her. Because the man was feeling things he'd never felt before. Then the Lord God took a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. Verse 24, and Jesus reiterated this. Just so you understand, Jesus reiterated this in the New Testament when he endorsed marriage. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. 
I was laughing this week because I thought the modern trend is for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother until they turn 45 and move back in with their mother and father <laughs> with all of their kids in tow and they will become one flesh. <laughs> so, uh, first of all, okay, first of all, in the creation account, there is so much there we could spend weeks and weeks on that. But let me just say this. We see from the very start that relationship. And I just want to put this out there. If you're a single person, if you're divorced, whatever your status is, uh, it's always good to listen because uh, the principles of marriage also relate to the principles of our everyday life and the relationships that we're called to. And so I'll use the word relationship and the word marriage interchangeably. Whatever is, uh, relates to you the most at this point in your life, then just apply it. So we see that relationship, marriage, was God's plan and God's design for people. Do you understand the power of the statement that uh, it is not good for Adam to be alone? Adam had face-to-face -face fellowship with God. Adam walked with God. We see later on that in chapter 3, after mankind falls, it says that God came walking in the cool of the day. And it kind of gives the sense that this is what the Lord God did every day. He just came and just hung out. Adam did his day's work, tending the garden, pushing the boundaries of the garden. God says, you know, take the garden and continue to expand it out into the earth. So Adam starts to do that. And every day God would come and Adam would walk with God, face-to-face -face fellowship with the good, good father. He had something absolutely incre uh, incredible and amazing that won't be fully restored until we stand before God in heaven because that's what Jesus made possible through his death and his resurrection. But Adam had face-to-face -face, uh, relationship, the creator with the created, the heavenly father to his son, and yet God declares it's not good for Adam to be alone. It's a powerful statement. And he created Eve, and the Bible refers to them in Genesis 2.25 as the man and his wife. It was God who declared it's not good for him to be alone. God had created Adam in his own image. Being part of created in his image is a desire for fellowship, to be in relationship with like people. Because Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they're the one, they're the one God forever dwelling in three persons. And so I just want to say this, that it wasn't Adam's weakness that created the need for Eve. It was God's design. God designed Adam this way. God has designed you this way, and he's designed me this way. And as long as Adam and Eve stayed in fellowship with God, expressed in obedience to his commands, living according to his purpose, and walking daily with him, then, and this, this is it, this is the entire gist of what I'm going to share and introduce this morning. And uh, next week and the Wednesdays in May are going to build on this. Their lives would be lived if they walked with God, if they kept that relationship with God, their lives would be lived in security and significance, and they would find in one another satisfaction and fulfillment. So out of that vertical relationship with God, they would know the security of his love and the significance of living according to his purpose for their lives. And if they had that uh, vertical relationship in order, then their horizontal relationship with each other would know the satisfaction of the love of another and the fulfillment of loving and caring for another. But Genesis 3, we know what happened. The devil tempts them to find their security outside of God. That The devil comes and he tempts Eve and he said, did God really say that if you eat of the tree 
of, uh, that, that you will die. He says, because God knows that the day you eat it, you will become, what did, what did he say? Like God, knowing good and evil. So here was the temptation. The temptation was for Adam and Eve to find their security outside of God, and secondly, to doubt in their heart about God's intentions. Did God really say, because God knows? And so... The devil came to Eve and said, listen, God's withholding something from you. God knows that the minute you eat that tree, you won't need him anymore. Uh, and, and he put seeds of doubt. We just sang this morning, you're a good, good father, right? And if I know God is a good, good father, and if I am secure in his love, it means that no matter what he calls me to, and I'm going to come back to that word that I feel I have for someone, no matter what he requires of me, he's a good father and he only wants to bless me. So every step of obedience will release his goodness in my life. Does that make sense? But the temptation came, Eve, God isn't as good as you think he is. He's withholding from you because he's frightened that if, if you eat of that tree, you'll become like him and won't need him anymore. So the devil was tempting them to find their significance outside of their purpose in God. Is this making sense? We have to understand this this morning. And so uh, they, they, their security uh, came from being in a love walk with God, knowing that God loved them unconditionally and he was a good father, and their significance came walking in obedience. And so you can't be secure in God's love, the devil said, because God is withholding from you. And can I just tell you this? More and more humanity is saying that what, how Christians are presenting morality, it's because... Let, let, let me say this. When people say that the Christian faith is somehow keeping people from real, be, really being who they are and that we're not loving, it's because at the core of that belief that's out in the world right now is the fact that somehow the Bible has tainted the love of God. And that God doesn't know the purpose for the people that he created. And that somehow we have a better plan than God does for our lives. And that God is not to be trusted because God is just a meanie who wants to withhold us from being true to ourselves. Does this make sense? That's the whole, the whole basis of the devil's lie. Every time, every time that I start to believe that, that I have something better than what God wants for me, I've believed the original lie for my life. And so this is what happens. They go for it. They go for significance outside of living for God's purposes and outside of God's obedience. And the first thing that is broken is the relationship with God. So they no longer feel secure in his love. And what do they do? They hide. They hide from God. Secondly, they lost their significance as obedient children living according to their purposes. So, I'm sorry, so that was the other thing. So the second thing that was broken was their relationship with one another. And, and as soon as God calls them out, they start to blame each other. They start to blame God. They start to blame everyone else. And so, I want to I define a few of these terms. Number one, our security comes from knowing we are unconditionally loved by God and we are secure in his care and we can trust him. That's where our security comes from. Secondly, our significance is knowing who we are in him and living out his purposes for our lives. Those two needs are only derived from our vertical relationship with God. You can't find 
an absolute confident security in anything else outside of the love of God. And we can't find our significance in any achievements or in any lifestyle or in any accomplishments or in anything outside of the significance that we get by knowing that I am living according to the very purposes for which my loving Heavenly Father created me. And so what happens is that in all other relationships, primarily our, primarily our marriage, what we give to the other person in the relationship is now where we derive our fulfillment from. But I can't be fulfilled until I know I'm significant already. Okay? What, what the satisfaction that I receive from my wife in all other relationships, what, what people give to me that's, is the satisfaction that I find in the love that Jackie gives me and in the love other relationships give me. But I can never be satisfied in the love that Jackie gives me until I know that I'm secure already in the love that God has for me. We have to get that right. And even Christian people come into marriage and if we get that mixed up, Here's what happens. Because I'm securing God's unconditional love for me, I can find satisfaction because I'm significant and my identity is as a child of God. I'm fulfilled by giving and loving to my wife. If it's in that order, we're on our way. But if I'm not securing God's love and care because of brokenness, because of abuse, because of confusion, because of the sins that I've committed that have have caused my mind to think differently about God than, than he's revealed as my loving father, if because of the sins that have been committed against me, folks, we live in a broken, broken world. And not only are we perpetuators of sin, but we're victims of sin, Right? And if I'm not securing God's love and care because of brokenness, abuse, betrayal, unwholeness, the past, or unresolved conflicts, I will never, ever be satisfied in my spouse's love because I can only feel satisfied in Jackie's. Her love for me isn't perfect. It's great, but it's not perfect. It will always fall short. And so if I'm not secure in, in the, if, if I don't find my security in the love of God because of some deficit in my past, then I will never be able to feel the satisfaction of the love that my wife has for me. And so, the other problem that we have is when we start to live outside of the significance that we have as children and as people of God, both generally... How many of you know that what Len preached last week, we're the righteousness of Christ. We can, and there's a, there's a, there's a whole, whole life that we just receive knowing that he's done it. But once we receive the finished work, there's an individual call for us to follow him, right? And so my significance comes from recognizing who I am as a son of God. Who I am as a new creation in Jesus and who I am specifically in the mandate that God has for my life. And so if I'm not fulfilled in that, I'll always be looking to others, to experiences, to work for fulfillment because I don't have significance that is only found in my security in Jesus Christ and my obedience to his purposes for me. And we see this played out in marriages all the time. Husbands neglect their wives and become aholics of some kind because they're looking for fulfillment. And, and they're only meant to be, the, 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 their greatest 
cause of fulfillment once we're married is meant to be in our spouses and our families because our significance is already found in the Lord and in doing what he's called us to do. But if, if somehow I'm bypassing walking in obedience, walking according to God's plans for me, then my whole life is going to be looking for significance and looking for fulfillment. There's a difference between me saying, I want to be the best pastor I can be, and I want to be excellent at it, and I want to be you know, fulfilled in that like I should, and saying my significance is in, in the ministry. And there are some pastors that when you take the ministry away from them, they become depressed and suicidal and their ministries fall apart. Same, same with athletes. Do you know that the majority of professional athletes in some sports, I was seeing the statistic that after they retire, their marriages fall apart? Because their marriage was built on a sense of significance that was found in what they do. And when that significance was done when they retired, their marriage falls apart because the foundation upon which it was built was false. Is this making sense? And so when men and women look for satisfaction in their spouses, when they, sorry, when they look for, for security, for secure love in their spouses, when they look for significance in their marriage, folks, we will never be satisfied, we will never be fulfilled, and already we are trying to get from our spouses something that they can't even give because it's only found in God. And so it's important to let the Holy Spirit heal us, deal with us in our vertical relationship with God, and bring wholeness into our lives. Accountability in other areas of our lives. Yeah, I'm looking, I only have point form. I, I, I was thinking of this this week. As, as believers, we're very often quick to understand that what we do with our money and resources we're going to be held accountable for, right? You know, the parable of the good steward and all of those things. So we steward our money, we tithe, we give, we're careful. We realize that we're going to be accountable for many different things. But I think the minute that we stand uh, at a church or, or in, in whatever ceremony and we say, I do, our most important accountability before God becomes what am I going to give and do for this marriage because God has put me in this marriage because he has a purpose for me in this marriage. He has a purpose for me in this relationship. He has a purpose for me in this family. He has a purpose for me in this, in this friendship. He has a purpose for me in this church as we relate to one another, and he's going to hold me accountable for that. We need to start walking in the understanding that we are going to be held accountable for what we do with the relationships that God has put us in. Okay, it's quiet. I don't know if this not, is, is not making sense or if we're just kind of thinking about it through. So, so here's, here's what happens. I think I'll just kind of share for a few minutes and we're going to close with prayer. Because of the fact that so many of us, our view of God, even after receiving Christ, has been tainted because of the unwholeness in, in the sin that is in the world. I, I just want to say this. I believe in what's called sozo salvation. The word in the New Testament for salvation is sozo. And sozo isn't just being saved and on your way to heaven. Sozo means that you are saved. If you're sick, you're physically healed. If you're broken, if, if you're in bondage, you're delivered. If you're broken, you're made whole. 
How many of you know that if Jesus can break the laws of sin and death over our lives, if we can pass from life to death, if we can be outside of fellowship with God because of our own doing and brought into fellowship with God, if he can place his spirit in us and, and, and open up eternity for us, he can heal our sicknesses, he can make us whole, he can transform us, he can set us free from the scars and the wounds and the brokennesses that are within us. Amen? Come on. That's the Jesus that I serve. And that is why when we come to Jesus, we need to say, Jesus, I want it all. I don't just want to be on my way to heaven and live in brokenness and have my marriage be in dysfunction for the rest of my life until I get to heaven because when I get to heaven, I'm going to find out I'm going to be accountable for what I did in my marriage and what I did as a parent and what I did with my relationships. So then it behooves me to say, I want it all, Jesus. I want to be transformed, delivered, whole. God, I was abused in my past. I was betrayed in my past. Lord, there was things that hurt me. There was, there was things uh, that, that have, have scarred me, but I want to be made whole so that I can once again be secure in your love so that I can find satisfaction from that spouse that you give me. And I'm not going to try to leech off of them the rest of my life and never feel satisfied, always feel like something's missing, and secretly blame them when it's really only something I can find in you. And I dare not, I'm going to look for fulfillment outside of my marriage to try to help myself find significance. Because you know what happens? You know what the world does when we do that? We cash our spouse in for someone younger who's going to make us feel more significant. Right? Okay. So, how can I, how can I give to the relationships in my life? Okay, no, let, let, let me... Let me say it this way. When I am secure in Jesus' love, okay, and I know that no matter what happens, I am loved unconditionally by Jesus Christ. It means all of a sudden I'm no longer afraid to step out and give love to others. There's no fear. The Bible says in 1 John, perfect love casts out all fear. So, when I have been healed, when I've gone through the process of being made whole, when I have been set free from the wounds and the things in life that have, that have kind of blocked my understanding of God's unconditional love, when I allow God to, to set me free from those things, and I can just rest in the fact that no matter what happens, I am loved by Jesus, then all of a sudden I can take the risk to love. Because I know whether it's reciprocated, whether it comes back or not, I am fully loved by God. Second thing that happens, when I know that I'm loved by God, and I start, that becomes a revelation to me, I understand that it is by grace, the grace we sang about this morning, that that love came to me. And the Bible tells me that the more that grace flows into my life, the more that I'm humbled and I say, man, I didn't deserve it, but you love me anyways, Jesus, then it becomes so much easier for me to give grace back to others. But I am always going to withhold from Jackie a little something to protect myself if I don't feel secure in God's love. Because I've discovered in my life that if I'm not secure in the love that God has for me, then when I, when I put myself out there and maybe I don't feel, maybe Jackie's having a bad day and I don't feel quite loved yet, all of a sudden there's something in me that's, that there's a need not met now, and all of a sudden, I back off a little bit, and a little bit of the wall goes up, because I say, I never want to be hurt like that again. Does this make sense? 
because I'm no longer satisfied in this love because I'm no longer secure in this love. But when I'm secure in this love, it just frees me up to say, I'm going to find fulfillment in giving to her grace and, and her to me. This isn't like, you know, I'm the, you know, the, in this marriage because it's not. It's just illustration. But I can find fulfillment. Listen, I can find fulfillment in giving grace to Jackie, in loving her, in, in uh, by the way, grace isn't saying, I'm, I'm going to forget about the things that you did until the next time you take me off and I'm going to drag them all back. That's protecting ourselves. Does that make sense? When I'm secure in the love of God, it frees me up to love. Think about it. When I'm secure in the love of God, I can, even if I were hanging on a cross, I could look down and say, Father, forgive them. Why? Because I'm secure in his love. And I know I'm living according to his purpose. So it, doesn't, it didn't matter to Jesus that they were nailing him to the cross. He could release love because he had already known, well done, this is my son. I'm pleased with him. I love him. Jesus could release forgiveness because he knew, not my will, but yours be done. And if it's your will, Father, then it doesn't matter what they do to me. My significance and my security come from knowing you. So, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. And so, what else do I have here? So, understanding grace and the security we have in God makes us whole. It sets us free. It heals us. It restores us. And now we can find fulfillment in releasing uh, into others what we have received. Uh, so no matter what happens horizontally, there's something in us that knows we can always draw from that wellspring that only comes from God. See, unwholeness will always cause us to find or try to find or leech from others what only God can give. And I know that seems like such a horrible, terrible term. But do you know that until we are secure in God's love and until we find our significance in him, now track with me, have you ever done something for somebody and you thought it was a pure motive? Remember, our fulfillment comes from what we give to the people in our lives, okay? And when my significance is in God, my fulfillment comes from them. But this is what happens. If Sometimes fulfillment and significance walk very close together. And so maybe I think I'm giving to Jackie out of a pure motive just to simply bless her. And, 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 and I should feel fulfilled in just giving to her. Does that make sense? But she sees what I give her, and maybe she's not quite as thankful as she should be. <laughs> right? And now I'm ticked off because, oh my goodness, do you know the effort that it took me to go down in no frills and buy you those half-dead flowers for $10? Okay? So listen, if my significance, and, and I know we struggle, and so this is, these are black and white statements, but it's struggle. But generally in life, if my significance is already found in who God's called me to be, then my significance is found in me being a husband who God has called to give and to love and to bless my wife. So even if her response isn't, you know, run in slow motion... Right? Then you know what? 
even if there's disappointment in the moment, it doesn't cause me from withholding the next time or cause me to be bitter. Why? Because my fulfillment needs weren't met, but my significant needs are met. And I hear the voice of the father going, you did what was right. She had a bad day. Dig a little deeper. Maybe things were a little rough at the office. She works longer hours than you do, buddy. So you know what? Just continue to bless her. But if my significance isn't found in God, and I'm looking for significance in her, I'm saying that I'm just giving to her with a pure motive. And this happens in the church all the time. People do something to bless someone else, and then I find out months later they were ticked off because, well, they didn't appreciate it enough. Well, did you give it to them to bless them or not? Because if your significance was in obeying God and God told you to give to them, you don't give a rat's patootie how they respond because you know the Father said, well done. And regardless or irregardless of their response, you did what was right. Now, again, I know this is black and white statements, but can you imagine if our marriages were built on two people whose security was found in the love of God, so now we're free to love one another. And when I have a bad day, and I have more bad days than Jackie does, so if I have a bad day, Jackie can still say, God, give me grace. Give me the serenity to accept the things that I... No, I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) she, She can come back with grace and say, we need to deal with this. We need to work this through. But you know what? I was a little disappointed in how you treated me, but she says, I can still love you because I am secure in who God's called me at as a daughter. And you might not have noticed that I got my hair done, and you might not have noticed that I bought a new dress, and that sure would make me feel, you know, a little more appreciated. But the reality is I know I'm a daughter of God. That's where my love is derived from. So even if you were too busy to notice, it's okay. We'll talk it through. We'll move on. Make sense? And so when significance is not in living according to our purpose and obedience to God, we will always, always look for that significance where we should only be looking for a sense of fulfillment, not in how people respond, but in giving. The Bible says, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. Before one person, I've been, in, I've been camping out in 1 John uh, all week. 1 John says, this is what we know that love is. While we're still sinners, Christ died for us. Love that's secure in the love of the Father is always proactive. Love that is secure in the Father, even if love doesn't flow back, says it's okay. Because I know I'm loved anyways. I'm just ministering and I'm giving out of the abundance of what I already have. For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. In other words, before you or I or one single person responded and said, Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, I apply the... Okay? Before one person ever did that, Jesus found joy. Why? Because his significance was in doing what the Father told him, and he was motivated by love. Okay? So that tells me that my fulfillment doesn't come in my partner's response. My fulfillment comes in having a love like Jesus that says, I'm just going to give it. That's where my fulfillment comes from, in the fact that I gave it not in the fact of what flows back to me. Now, it doesn't take the onus off of my spouse as a believer to try to find her fulfillment in giving to me and and to try to find satisfaction in my love for her. Remember what I started by saying? Because I think think in the church sometimes, and I want to be careful, but there's a pattern with many people in the church, and you've got two individuals who are in a relationship with God 
but they can't make this relationship with one another work because of the barriers and the walls and the wounds and the hurts in the past. And so there's almost a settledness in some Christian marriages where they just kind of hit a wall and they can't get any more intimate, any more deeper. They, can't, they, they just can't get past these things and they say, well, it's okay because I know that they are serving the Lord and I'm serving the Lord. So basically in the end, we'll get to heaven and they'll be on that side of heaven and I'll be on that side, I'm sure. And then God will go, no, you're not. You're going to put you right next door to each other. <laughs> no, please hear me out. Hear me out. Because, again, we've so individualized our faith that two people can be in a marriage and say, uh, we've been at an impasse for 15 years, for three years, for one year, for six months, whatever. But it, not a whole lot we can do, but I'm a Christian, they're a Christian. We started by saying that Adam and Eve, that Adam walked a face-to-face relationship with God and what did God say? It's not good for them to be alone. So God gave him Eve. Can I just tell you something? Part of God's plan for your life, if you're in a marriage, he gave you your spouse. You see, well, my spouse isn't a Christian. Well, if you are in that marriage right now and you're not being abused, because uh, someone, inevitably, when I was talking to someone this week, they said, well, pastor, what about the case of abuse? It's funny how we always go to, like, the worst case scenarios, right? But, uh, I mean, that's a whole different thing. The, be, being significant in God doesn't mean that we allow people to abuse us. It doesn't mentally, emotionally, or physically, or even spiritually. People don't come to a church and put up with spiritual abuse because it's not part of God's plan for us, Right? But I just want to encourage those of you. We've really been targeting on Wednesday night those of you who have unsaved spouses. And I have no point of reference of what it's like for you to live in that relationship and have such a desire to see your children serve God but know that your spouse isn't on the same page. And I, I don't know what that's like. And I, and I understand that some of those marriages, they're just so far removed and the spouse is so unwilling that that they dissolve and thank God for grace, amen. Thank God for mercy and, and opportunities. And, and so there's no condemnation of what I'm saying, but if you are currently in a marriage, and, and, the, and the Bible tells you that if your spouse is willing to live with you, you could become their salvation. You could be the one who prays for them, who leads them, who through your example and model brings them to a relationship in Christ. And so let, let me just say to you that we stand with you and we're praying with you and some of us don't understand what that's like to be, to be in a home that's not united under the banner of Christ, but these principles still work for you. You need to get to a place, if you're not already, where you're absolutely secure in the love that God has for you. You need to be in the place where you know that right now, when God called you, you're significant because you're a son or you're a daughter of the Most High God. And that you are in that marriage and that God, you are God's hands extended in that marriage. And can I, can I say this to you? The more that you are able to understand the security that you have in his love, the more that you're able to understand the significance and the purpose that he's put you in the marriage, there's your motivation for staying in that marriage and just giving and giving and blessing and praying and standing and believing. Because God will empower you to do that. 
And so this is just an introductory stuff. And so we're going to wrap up. And so... So I think this morning, I just want to leave with you that our number one pursuit needs to be finding our security in the love of God. And that may mean we go through the process and the difficulty of starting to deal with the past, some things that have wounded us, some things that have left us unwhole and broken, some things that have brought confusion, some things that have caused us to build walls, put up barriers. We, we need to start dealing with those things. You see, it would have been easy for me to come in. I'll be honest with you. It would be easy for me to come in and say, here's five steps to better communication in your marriage. Here's four ways you can bless your spouse. Here's three ways you can pray for them. But how can we continue to do right things if we don't have the right motivation? And how do we have the right motivation sustained if we don't have the right foundation? And please, if you're a believer here today, if you're a believer, if you're not a believer, you know, take out of this what God's brought you here to say today because there's always something you can, you can take. But if you're a believer here today, please just hear the heart of the Holy Spirit who would just say this to you, that he wants to lead you. No matter how long it's been, how impossible it seems, he wants to lead you into a place where you're whole so that you can be secure in the love of your good, good father. That's the first step to fixing anything horizontally, is that vertical relationship. And secondly, pursuing with a passion every day, his kingdom come, his will be done in my life. Because when you do that and his grace touches you, it is impossible for grace to touch our lives and not to have that grace flow out of us almost as an automatic response to others. Because we realize how great the love of God is that would save us. And so we want to pray for you this morning. <clears throat> Please hear me, because this is where the old devil comes in and the pride comes in, you know. If I go forward, everyone's going to think my marriage is bad and then my spouse is going to kill me. <laughs> <clears throat> Come on, some of you were already thinking it. He's going to call us forward, and then I, people are going to think I got a bad marriage. Bob Dowsel, we don't think you have a bad marriage. You got a great marriage that Liz tells me all the time could be greater. No, she doesn't. This is what I want us to do. I'm going to invite Sam Fleming to come forward. He's going to pray for you in a moment, as one of our elders, I've talked to him ahead of time. Has this uh, made sense to anybody? This is introductory. I've, prob I've probably caused more questions than answers right now, but this is where I feel we need to leave it. Honestly, I just, I, I want to make sure I'm not missing it. Is this, is anybody tracking with this going, hmm, this makes sense to me this morning? Come on. Okay. So our pursuit needs to be receiving the love of God. And doing whatever we have to do, to, do to, to make sure that every barrier, every wound is removed. That we're whole. So that at least I can bring to my marriage my wholeness. How many of you know my marriage will already be healthier? How many of you know my life will be just better 
if I'm whole? And secondly, finding my significance in my walk with God, which Len spoke to last week. How many of you thought that what Len spoke about the righteousness of Christ really does address our marriages and our relationships? You know why it does? Because it's foundational to every other relationship that we have. So let's stand. <clears throat> For those of you who just say, in those two areas, marriage aside, relationships aside, in those two areas, I just, I want to be, I, I just, I just would like to be prayed over, or I want my marriage to be prayed over, that that uh, God would just bless me. God would bless that. However, this message is related to you today. You say, I just want to be on the receiving end of God's anointing and God's blessing this morning. Step out, come forward. We're going to pray with you. And depending on how many come, that will depend on how we're going to go from here this morning. Okay? Just move up. Let's move up front because we're going to have people come and stand with you, okay? Okay, keep coming. Fill in this middle space here. Sam, can you come on up or you're not going to be able to in a second? There you are. Okay. We just want to pray for you. I don't know why you're standing here. I don't know what point of this message has really impacted you. But I just want you to know what the Spirit of the Lord put on my heart. I was sitting out on my deck this morning at about 6. I was freezing. It was still dark. But I was praying. The Spirit of the Lord put this on my heart. He said, what is it you've been saying, Jay? It's impossible for us to pray and something not to happen. Something will happen this morning when we pray for you in about a minute and a half. Something is going to happen. And only you will know the significance of that. But the Holy Spirit is going to touch you today. And as he touches you, he's going to in turn touch the lives of the people that you stand here uh, and represent. Okay? And so Sam's going to pray. Can the rest of the body of Christ just come and stand behind these people? Lay hands on them? I feel we need to do this this morning. people up here in the middle. Just press him. Just start to pray. Sam's going to pray, and then I might pray. Let's just believe for a blessing to be released into these people's lives right now. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Father, this morning, we thank you for the word that has gone forth. Because, Lord, it is a healing word. It is a healing for all marriages. It is a healing for all relationships. It is a healing for every situation, O God. And I pray this morning, Lord, that a spirit of revelation will touch every heart in this place this morning to reveal to them our significance first is in you, Lord. Our significance, no matter how great our marriages is, 
our mate will never fulfill all our needs and our spouse will never fulfill all our needs because there are certain needs that only you can fulfill, Lord. So I pray this morning, Lord, as that word goes forth, that we will find our significance in you, Lord. Lord, we can forgive, Lord, because you have first forgiven us. We can forgive each other, O oh God, because of that forgiveness that you have poured in our heart that comes from you. So I pray today, Lord, for a fresh revelation of our significance in you first, O oh God, and then we can have share that significance to one another. And we just ask for your blessing your blessing upon everyone that has been in this place this morning, Lord, that you will just bless them with the word, Lord, and let that word find a lodging in their heart, deep within their hearts, O oh God, and let them realize, Lord, you loved us first, Lord, and through that love, we can love one another. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Amen. We just bless you. If you still have your hands on the person, just say, we bless you in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We bless you. We bless your marriage. We bless your spouse. We bless your families. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And so, Holy Spirit, as we close out our time together this morning... I just believe that you have touched lives. I pray for anyone who still might feel discouraged. May no one feel any condemnation this morning in Jesus' name. We are all in process, and I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you that you're our ever-present companion and help. And I just pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ that every person would leave with a greater impartation of the Spirit's presence and power than they came in this place with. I just pray every person that is standing within uh, listening of my voice right now that you would receive the anointing and the enabling of the Holy Spirit right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. And so may the love of God the Father flow unconditionally in your hearts as we know it does, but may you be positioned to receive that love. May the power of the name of Jesus be ever on your lips this week. And may the presence, companionship, and fortitude of the Holy Spirit go with you now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to turn this room into a place of prayer. Pastor Michelle and Mitch will... Lead us. If you've got to go, you're dismissed to go. If you'd like prayer, we'll be at the front. But we're going to turn this room into a place of prayer for a few minutes, okay? Thank you, and God bless. Thank you so much for listening to our message. If you want to know what we're about as a church or to find out more about Parkway, you can visit our website at parkway-church.com. And if you like what you hear, why don't you join us? We would love to have you here on a Sunday morning at 10 a.m. right here in Corona on Murray Drive.